0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is believed.
1: Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA Draft goes to the Detroit Pistons.
0: Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit! draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit
2: Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational.
0: I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't.
2: From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit
1: basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host. Mike Angelano, joining me as always is Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, how are we doing this fine evening?
0: Doing good as always. We got some good topics to get into. A lot of stuff coming up with the trade deadline. And may all star break coming up right after that as well. So we're just a couple weeks out of the trade deadline. There's always been a lot of talk around Jeremy Grant. We're going to talk about that. What's what's going on with him? What's going on with the Pistons in general at the trade deadline? So excited to get into it and good. For the probably the first time in a long time that we got all three of us here this week. Again, I mean, we had it last week, and that was right after a couple at least a couple week hiatus. Two weeks in a row, we've all been able to make it. That's what I call success. I'm ready to get into it. That's right, baby. We're going back to back like the bad boys.
2: That's that's what <laughs> we're doing this week. It's uh Mike, as you can already tell, I've had my iced coffee, I've got my energy levels right for this podcast. Like you said, Aaron, we got a couple of great topics to get into today, and it's kind of funny that, you know, the thing that we're actually talking about mostly is not going to be the games, since the Pistons have actually put together a good stretch of competitive basketball. I know they've gotten blown out in in a few games in between those wins, but uh, even in this last week, you know, a couple of, of competitive losses to to both the Jazz uh, and the Denver Nuggets, who uh, they play tonight right after we record this podcast. So, you know, the Pistons have been actually watchable. It's been a really nice development, considering how we were struggling through the first few months of the season. But it's nice to have everybody here, and I'm ready to get into things, guys. Yes, Uh
1: a little bit of All-Star Game talk as well, uh, as Aaron mentioned. The All-Star Game, of course, 15 minutes down the street from me <laughs> when it does happen. So that will be pretty fun. I'm going to try to see what I can do to get get in there or near there for the festivities on the weekend. Um, but first off, we have our ad read. And that, of course, is about online. As it has been for several months, a quality partner, been with us for, for quite a while, and Bet Online is back and better than ever with a new web interface with the start of the NFL playoffs, basketball season, with more props, odds, and lines than ever before, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile site, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit using the promo code believe 50 that's bleav 5 to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available from the 2022 season. And bet online is, of course, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Get the ad read going quickly here, and we could hit our first topic, which, of course, is Jeremy Grant. Bleacher Report had reported earlier today that John Collins is a potential. A swap partner with Jeremy grant uh, the salary matches pretty nicely um, there's been a lot of talk with Jeremy grant won't be the last time we talk about him probably either um, but the main point is you know he's he's been a very hot commodity on the trade market and Aaron and I both have touched on the cases for trading him and not trading him I would be surprised personally I would be surprised if He's still on the team. Um, seems more and more and more of a possibility that he hangs with the team past the deadline and they try to move him in the summer. Um, there's a lot of ins and outs with regards to a grant trade. So let's, let's work off of the bleacher report. I believe it was Jake Fisher this morning posted about a potential John Collins swap and how the bulls are really trying to not include Patrick Williams in a, in I guess, any sort of trade, but certainly the Pistons would ask for him if there was a trade for Jeremy Grant. So, um, Aaron, any thoughts on those first two things for uh, uh, here this morning?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think first things first, again, I'm still in the, the boat that I don't think the Pistons should actively be pursuing Jeremy Grant trades. That being said, if you can get a guy like John Collins, you know, I'm not 100% sure – why Atlanta feels it's John Collins that has to be the guy to go there. I mean, outside of Trey Young, no one on that team is untouchable. But he is just – he's 24 years old. He's having another very productive season. He's locked up now long-term. This is a guy that, if the Pistons can get, is an ideal fit next to Kate Cunningham. And if people are, as it seems as they are, so concerned about Kate Cunningham getting – younger guys around him and Jeremy Grant's age, you know, they're going to be paying Jeremy Grant until he's 32 or 33, whatever. If you really feel that that's a big enough issue to where a couple of year, two, three year difference is a big enough uh, deal to you to make a trade. John Collins is a guy that at 24 is having another very productive season. He's averaging 17 points, eight rebounds a game. He's shooting Almost forty three percent from the three point line. That's a career high and over three attempts per game. He's an athletic guy. He can run the pick and roll. He can finish at the rim. Uh, this is a guy that would be ideal alongside Kate Cunningham, and that's always been one of my my biggest concern is how you build this roster around Kate Cunningham. I see, you know, Jeremy Grant being a guy that's easier to fit around Kate Cunningham than some of these other players that are maybe more of a gamble to that who knows what they're going to end up being you're trading for either a a draft pick or a guy that's unproven john collins is a proven nba player but still very very young if the pistons were to trade jeremy grant we talked about it a little bit earlier in uh you know our palace of pistons chat but john collins or deandre hunter are the two guys that really stand out to me the most um the hawks just seem like the right team to make a deal with if the pistons are you know decide they do want to deal Grant and the Hawks are desperate enough that they do want to make a move. I think Collins is definitely the first guy that they should be trying to get. He helps them so much offensively. Uh, he's a little bit younger than Jeremy Grant, and I just think the fit in general would be really, really good for this team. My only concern is, I don't think it solves Detroit's need for a five necessarily. He can do it in spurts. Uh, I don't know if the, it's going to be the right situation for him to do that long term full-time but it would be a major boost for Detroit in general uh, and I'd be really intrigued to see uh, what he could do I think the fit alongside Cunningham is spectacular but I'm still not 100% locked in on the idea that the Pistons should trade Grant and I'm still as I said last week if I was predicting I still think the Pistons are gonna uh, Jeremy Grant's gonna still be a Piston at the end of the trade deadline
2: well there's a lot of there's a lot of questions surrounding that right now because like you said like you're seeing these reports from Uh, Jake Fisher has been very vocal about saying all these teams are reaching out. They're trying to get Jeremy grant. Um, and I've seen a lot of pushback uh, against him specifically in those reports from people that do have connections, uh, to the Pistons front office. So that's kind of a strange situation right there. I know the guy got a lot of things right in free agency this last off season when a lot of people were doubting him then as well. So who really knows there, uh, I don't really understand why Atlanta would make that trade. To me, that doesn't make Atlanta an appreciably better team in the short term or the long term. I like Jeremy Grant a lot. I think he is, especially if he's taking a more backseat role in terms of the offensive load, I think that that is great. I think he can be a very efficient, very, very useful player that can defend essentially in the playoffs. Like, you know, reasonably he can defend one through five reasonably um the issue with John Collins I guess as Atlanta would see it is that he is not a good defensive player and like you said Aaron there's that question about his fit but for me overall I look at that and I say if Atlanta is going to trade John Collins for Jeremy Grant by all means do it immediately don't ask any questions because you're getting younger you're getting more athletic You're getting more efficient on the offensive end. Yes, there's questions about the fit. Yes, there's questions about the defense, but I don't really care because this is a team that lacks high-end talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And John Collins is unquestionably that. He is highly talented offensively. He is still young. He is a hyper-athlete. He is exactly what the kind of player that you need. Maybe we can talk a little bit about you know the Pistons' potential draft prospect if they do land in the top three again. Uh, that Chet Jabari Smith, Paolo Banchero, who's the right guy there? Look, if you land in the top three and you have John Collins, I don't really care. You can draft any of those guys and put them next to him. You're immediately looking at a front court that's going to be insanely athletic, insanely skilled. Um, and if you do decide to draft somebody like Chet Holmgren, also going to potentially be really good defensively. So if this is really an offer that's on the table, the Pistons have to take it. I don't really see why Atlanta would do it though. So I do have questions about that. Aaron, I am, I think, coming around to where you have been saying. I I think that there is actually kind of a chance that Jeremy Grant is still on this team by, by the end of the trade deadline because the more I look at it, who are the teams that are going to make that trade and give you exactly what you want right now in terms of the return for Jeremy Grant? I don't really see it. It's kind of stuff like maybe we can get Pat Williams. Maybe we can get John Collins. And that, to me, is sounding less and less likely. So we'll see. Um, absolutely it'd be a no brainer. But I have a lot of questions regarding those reports.
1: Yeah. I remember writing about John Collins um, or at least looking at his stats a, a little bit ago and playing him as a five is not a thing um, that I think the Pistons can do. They still need a center. It solves the big man problem a little bit, gives them, you know, a high flying more athletic four. that is a nice pickable partner for Kate Cunningham. I don't, it, I, I, don't think it solves the center problem at all. You still need to go get a center. You still need to go get a rim protector, Um, preferably somebody who is not going to get absolutely toasted on a switch. And John Collins is not a very good defender. He is young and athletic and plays the four well. And, you know, I used to think initially that it was a slam dunk trade. The Pistons obviously get much better, but do they get demonstrably better you know in the long run um maybe a little bit um certainly the timeline matches up a lot better uh, between Collins and Grant Collins is 24 years old
2: so but but he's also better he's just a better player than Jeremy Grant is sure sure and especially on this roster and I know we can talk about yeah okay they still need to figure out the center position yeah but like The fact of the matter is they have so many issues they need to figure out with this roster, no matter who comes in, like, unless they're getting Joel Embiid, they're still going to have issues at that center position coming into the draft. And I think that they're in a position, you know, where if they can draft Chet or if they can draft Paolo and you do have John Collins there, who cares? Just get the talent on the roster and figure the rest out. Because at this point, after watching this organization just struggle to, acquire and keep highly talented players at this point. I just just give me the the guys and we'll figure the rest out afterwards. That's how yeah, I feel.
1: I mean and I'm mostly in the same boat. I mean if Atlanta comes calling and says one for one swap, let's go. I mean obviously the answer is yes. Um you get a younger better player. Makes total sense. And they will still have to get a center and I have not even heard Heard? Does anyone know if John Collins wants to play in Detroit? I mean, that's that's the other problem. Is like Aaron said in his article, you're getting rid of somebody who wants to be with Dwayne Casey, with Troy Weaver, and play for the Pistons. Do we know if John Collins wants to be here? I I mean, he's on a playoff team with Atlanta, or at least we thought it was a playoff team with Atlanta, and he doesn't want to be there. You know, he is playing second fiddle to a point guard. He will be doing that in the near future with Kate Cunningham um so i mean obviously you make that sort of deal if if that's available and on the table it just seems like the hawks could package you know something else that first round pick that they got for cam reddish that protected first round pick and something else expiring salary and go get somebody bigger and better than you know than jeremy grant but um I guess we'll have to see. I I mean, the Hawks should be one of those teams scouring. Uh, They are not very good this year. They have a lot of problems. And after being in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, I would imagine that Travis Schlenk is lighting a fire even hotter underneath him to uh, try to get this team back to being competitive. And they have played better of late. Um, How how does John Collins compare to – like, would you rather have the first round pick from the Knicks? Would you rather have like Onyeka Okongwu or DeAndre Hunter, and and like Danilo Gallinari to fill salary? Like, is that more um, enticing because you get an additional first round pick that you get to play around with, or would rather just have John Collins?
0: I think for me, if you're getting Hunter and Okongwu, I could see the merit behind that but collins is a proven guy he's locked up for 25 million for the next four years after this season and he's only 24 years old like you're getting a guy that's going to be playing in his prime for 25 million dollars a year which is probably right around maybe a little bit less than jeremy grant will make on his next contract i mean it's probably pretty pretty close those whatever grant ends up signing for in, uh, whether he signs an extension with the Pistons this offseason or next year when he's an unrestricted free agent whoever he signs with I'm sure that number going to be pretty close but you're talking about a guy that's still very very young has played three four years in a row of pretty solid basketball and he is a fit with this team you know what he can do with a guy like Kate Cunningham how he fits in an offense at the NBA level he's been pretty healthy like this is a guy that is intriguing to me more so than taking a swing on. I know you didn't say Patrick Williams and the bulls uh, a moment ago, but that's like getting a proven guy is a lot more enticing to me than taking a swing on someone like Patrick Williams, who's hurt for the rest of the season. And you don't know exactly what you're going to be, what he's going to end up being. But if you can get Okongu and Hunter, two guys that personally I feel have a bright future in this league, I'm very, very high on Deandre Hunter uh, on the wing. And a lot of people really, really like Okongwu. They like his length. They like his defensive abilities. He seems like a guy that could be a rim runner in the pick pick and roll. Then there's also merit behind that as well. But I think, you know, gun to the head have to make the decision. I think right now, uh, I would take John Collins. He
1: has been better than Clint Capella this year. Okongwu from everything that I've seen, he has played better than
2: Capella has this year. He's he's been more consistent. You know who else he's been better than Mike. He's also been better than Isaiah Stewart. So, i well, I, for me, that that would make on the floor. Cool. Oh, I know, man. Hey, he went eight for eight from the floor the other night. Give him cut him a little slack. I'll I'll give him some credit where it's due. He he was good he, offensively against the Kings as well. So, um, he 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 was yes absolutely. I, and then, I'm in. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to answer your question as well. I think. I'm also with you, Aaron. I'll take the guy who's proven, who's still only 24 years old. He's not some grizzled veteran. Uh, John Collins is one of the most dangerous offensive options at the power forward position in the entire NBA. He is a matchup nightmare. Uh, I'm taking that guy. I know he's got his issues. I know there's a lot of upside with Okongwu and Hunter. I'll take the dude who still has more upside to go and has already proven that he's Uh, basically a borderline, you know, all-star type player that would also help out both Cade Cunningham and a guy who's now coming off of the bench for you, Killian Hayes, so.
1: Well, that is a A A-plus segue. Mm -hmm. Um, I I did want to hit on one more thing if, well, in regards to the trade talk about Grant, what does the team do or look like if they don't trade him? Is he just going to be trade bait in the offseason then?
0: I mean, I think the Pistons are going to keep their options open as they should. You know, if, if they don't trade Jeremy Grant by the t- February 10th, then yeah, he's a guy that comes back. You see how he does the rest of the year with a, a, a healthier team. You know, how does he fit in with guys that are going to be on the roster moving forward? Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, you have Kelly Olinick locked up for the next few years. Frank Jackson looks like a guy that really just kind of fits uh, in in a lineup that needs shooters around Cade Cunningham. Now, how does he fit with those players? I think there is a fit there. I've maintained that I think there is a fit. But he's still going to be a guy that you can dangle as trade bait. A team that doesn't make the move now may get desperate enough in the offseason after falling just short in game seven of the uh, you know a playoff round. Or at the same time, you can look to re-sign him You know, he's eligible for the four-year, $112 million extension. The Pistons need talent. They do not have enough talent. Ask anyone, they will tell you. Troy Weaver will tell you, we do not have enough talent on this team. There is one guy that you know for sure you can build a winning team with, and that's Kate Cunningham. Outside of that, you don't know if you have a single other piece that you know is going to be on the next Detroit Pistons playoff team. They need talent. Jeremy Grant is right up there in regard with Kate Cunningham as the two most talented guys on the roster. I'm not opposed to keeping him moving forward and I think the Pistons should be building their roster you know as so best player available in the draft whether you get the first pick and you can draft Jabari Smith or you slide outside the top three and you're looking at you know maybe somewhat of a guard maybe you're looking at Jaden Ivey maybe you're looking at a, a center even like Draft the best player available. Figure out the fit later. Look what Cleveland is doing. I mean, Mike can be an about to, to say, yep. You best can have player two available. big forward, You know, Laurie Markin and Ivan Evan Mobley. That has worked well for Cleveland. So it, why can't Detroit do that? I mean, Grant has played the three throughout his you know throughout his NBA career. Jabari Smith is six ten. He's you know athletic. I am sure he could play the three as well at the NBA level. Like. Positions don't matter. It's it's being athletic. It's being able to build the right offensive system. The size just doesn't really matter all that much to me. So if you're gonna say, look, well, if you if you keep Jeremy Grant, then you know who do you draft? You can't draft a pa- pa- Paolo. You can't draft Jabari Smith. Those are two power forwards. It, it, it just doesn't work like that anymore. The NBA is so positionless. It just doesn't matter. I think the Pistons can still absolutely take whoever they want in the draft, whether it be one of those top guys or they get pushed out of the top five our top three and you know don't have a chance at one of those i guess what everyone is considering power forwards um it's it's still you got to accumulate talent jeremy grant is talent and i don't think why i don't see why the pistons would feel a a need to move on from jeremy grant whether they get the first pick whether they get the fifth pick he's a guy that should be on this team unless you know some type of trade like a johns collins trade presents itself yeah. Well said, Aaron. And you know what? I think that comparison to the the
2: Cavaliers, especially when it comes to when we're talking about something like a potential John Collins trade, it's think about the Jarrett Allen trade. Think about the Laurie Markkinen signing in the off season. Um, It doesn't really matter. It just get the talent on the team, figure the rest out later. And that is absolutely, you're correct. What well, the Pistons should be doing so look, if they're not going to get more talent back for Jeremy Grant than they feel Jeremy Grant is as an individual talent, then don't make the trade. And that's really all I have to say about that at this point.
1: Well, we can go ahead and move on. We have talked a lot about Grant, and this is not going to be the last time that we talk about him either. There's still quite a bit of time, um, unfortunately, until the NBA trading deadline. Um, it feels like it's tomorrow with how much talk has happened, but we still have a couple of weeks left, but let's go ahead and move on to our second topic, which is the current running mate next to Kate Cunningham. And that's Killian Hayes. Wow. Not so
2: current anymore, Mike. Not so current anymore.
1: Not right. He injured his hip again. He's coming off the bench, uh, backing up Corey Joseph did not have very encouraging shooting splits, uh, starting out in 2022, 36% 36% from before, 26% from deep in January, 37%. Marginally better uh, in both categories for the month. I, uh, Aaron, I think here in the notes of February, did you mean December or January?
0: Yeah, sorry. I, Possibly. I, my brain is like, fried. No, 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 no. I was like, Aaron, crap. Is this my parents? I'm looking ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, he is. Aaron's using his powers <laughs> of deduction to figure out that Killian Hayes is going to continue to not shoot well. And you know what, Mike? It's been even—it's been even more exacerbated by the fact that both <laughs> that both of Rodney Magruder and Corey Joseph have been absolute flamethrowers from the field over the last couple weeks. I'm pretty sure Corey Joseph is shooting something like like 53 percent um, from three point land over his last eight nine games, something like that. So. It's and not Rodney McGruder
1: wants to get traded for real
2: this time. Yeah, he's like, uh uh-uh, I'm actually
1: <laughs> being traded. Get me yeah.
2: out of here. <laughs> Rodney McGruder plus a second-round pick is no longer a joke trade. It's a real trade. That's he's what we're gonna getting go for, for John 37. Collins.
1: That's right. He's, he's going to go for 37 tonight against the Nuggets and be like, well, shouldn't have sent over a broken bull bowl. bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe I could be playing in that lovely Denver blue. Um, so poor shooting in December and January. Is it time for the Pistons to look at finding a replacement for Killian Hayes as a building piece? And I can go ahead and I will start this. They are going to find a replacement in the form of hopefully Chet Holmgren, Paolo Banchero, or Jabari Smith, and just out with the old in with the new. That's probably how you're going to replace it. I don't know who the best player you could trade for Kate Cunningham, or I'm sorry, for Killian Hayes would be um, injured, can't shoot, plays very good defense can pass the ball you put here for the topic is this the end of the killian hayes experiment and that's an interesting way of putting it um jasper what do you think just knowing he's hurt again knowing the shooting has not come around is 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 the is the curtain call starting to come
2: i certainly i mean it has to at this point because I know he still has not even played 82 full games. I understand that, but we're getting to the point right now where, I mean, he's not even shooting 40% from two point range. He's barely shooting 30% from three point range. You saw him against the nuggets turn down multiple open layups. It was really frustrating to see. And of course I will give him some credit. He mixed that in with some good play as well. But as of right now, I cannot see really the justification for him being anything more than a guy you go into next year saying, Hey, this is our point guard off the bench. And maybe you trade Corey Joseph at the trade deadline this year. He's certainly playing himself into a position to be a, a, a guy who's traded. Uh, he's playing too well, kind of not to, it's sort of the DeLon Wright uh, deal from last year where, you know, he's your best point guard but you kind of have to trade him because he's playing beyond what he really is so I do think that unfortunately the time for Killian Hayes in Detroit as the starting point guard is most likely coming to a close at least in the short term what has to happen is you have to start looking for that replacement because you can't depend on him right now and he hasn't shown you enough by the halfway point of this season to really justify continuing to give him the reins. Um, I want the best for Killian. I still think that there is a good NBA player in there. I just think that it's kind of the same thing we were saying with that John Collins situation. The Pistons are at the point where they just need talent. And talented as he may be, he doesn't have the output right now. And boy, when you look at his stats next to Tyrese Halliburton's, that just, it hurts. It hurts to look at because... Man, that would be a really, really nice pairing um, with Kate Cunningham. That backcourt of him and and Halliburton. So, I think yes to answer your question. I think we are coming to the end of the Killian Hayes as the starting point guard uh, experiment in Detroit. I don't think it's over for him, but yeah the the ice is getting thin, the water's getting warm, so you might as well swim. That's Smash Mouth, fellas. That's 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 kind of how I feel
0: about it. I'm I'm not going to be the last one, uh, you know, manning the, the the ship on the Killian Hayes believer group. Um, you know, I say it every time we talk about him, but I, I have to own up to it. You know, I, this was a guy that I thought could have been the number one pick in the draft in, in, in 2020. I was so incredibly high on him. You know, I liked him. Uh, I, I thought the Pistons should have taken him, and he just hasn't panned out. And Jasper's right. He hasn't played 82 games. You know, he hasn't gotten a full season. I get it. But at the same time, you know, he's gotten hurt multiple times. The shooting numbers are atrocious. And the fit just, it, it, isn't, it isn't working out. You know, Killian Hayes might go to another NBA team and figure it out. But he just doesn't play at the speed, at the pace, with the confidence of a starting guard in the NBA. Uh, I just don't think it benefits Detroit to continue to to pigeonhole the starting group with Killian Hayes it's obviously not working I think you need to start looking both now and for the future at options to pair alongside Kate Cunningham and I've talked about the current roster I think the most obvious option is Frank Jackson who's now back for Detroit that's a guy that's just out there to space the floor you know he's not the biggest uh, guard out there but he defends you know at least acceptable for his position but more importantly offensively He's a guy that's going to draw gravity from the defense, and if the defense decides they're going to double Cade, that's a guy that's going to hit 40% of those open looks that, that he generates, uh, you know, and Killian Hayes isn't going to do that. He's a guy that is shooting 28%, 27% from the three-point line, and it's just not, it's not acceptable. Uh, everyone's been waiting for him to come around in terms of attacking the basket, doing it with confidence, just overall playing the game with a more aggressive style. And it just hasn't happened. You'll get the flashes once or once a night or so, but that's just not good enough. At at some point, there has to be a line drawn and, and I think it doesn't benefit the Pistons. He's had, he's had the opportunity. The Pistons have tried different things. Maybe going to the bench will help him. Maybe that's a some, for some reason, going to be a confidence booster, you know, I don't know if internally Detroit has talked about sending him down to the G league. I don't know, you know, if that would benefit him, but it has worked for players in the past. Killian Hayes is still young. So, you know, he's only in year two. He hasn't played a full 82 games. So maybe going down to the G league would be beneficial for him for, you know, a week or two where he's forced to look, Killian, we need you shooting 12 shots a game, 15 shots a game while you're down there and, I I just, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is in that regard, why he isn't a more aggressive player. I get it's difficult finding your footing in the league. It takes time, especially for point guards, especially for point guards. But I just don't know if we've seen enough flashes to continue to stay aboard the ship and and believe that something's going to click eventually. Unfortunately, the injuries have been another issue in itself. So I think Detroit has to be looking for different options. Uh, I think Cade Cunningham has shown he's comfortable playing the point guard spot. The Pistons can go for a guy that can still handle the basketball, can take a few possessions away from Cade Cunningham, but is more so of a a scorer, uh, a secondary playmaker, uh, but a guy that can shoot and score when Cunningham is drawing more attention from the defense and has to defer a little bit. You think of someone, not exactly Bradley Beal, You know, the Pistons just aren't going to make a move like that. But someone like that, who's a scoring-minded guard, and that's just the exact opposite of what Killian Hayes is at this point. Maybe he works out for a different team, but at this point, it just doesn't look like it's going to be with the Pistons.
2: I I still have not given up hope on him here with the Pistons. And you know what? I thought I liked that they put that three-guard lineup of him, Cade, and Corey Joseph out there at the end of uh, the game against the Nuggets. I actually thought that was a good move from Dwayne Casey. So I I do disagree a little bit with you there, Aaron. I I don't think it's over for him in Detroit. Uh, I do still think that there is the possibility there. I don't hate what you're saying about sending him down to the G League. You know, I've seen the argument, Killian Hayes needs to be playing against other NBA players so he can be at that NBA speed, so he can know what it's like to succeed against NBA players, but there is something to be said about just forcing him to go down and just shoot. He just needs to shoot at a certain point. And if he, if going down to the G league is what's going to get him that little bit of confidence in his offense and his shot, then maybe that is the move. Um, I don't know. I don't really know at this point. I just really know that I'm not, in the position or of the desire to defend him like as voraciously as I have before. I've seen enough at this point to say, I know what is there. I know there's some there is talent there. I do see a good NBA player in his skill set. It's just not there right now. And until he shows it, I can't there's nothing else I can do.
1: We have talked about this ad nauseum throughout the year. Throughout last year too the un just the fear the seemingly impossible fear of shooting and namely when he gets to the rim Mm -hmm. just the inability to decide what to do i mean it seems like it goes from bricking layups to like making a last minute decision to pass when he really shouldn't and i like the idea of going into the g league and getting some time to just shoot you know go in know that you're the alpha dog and just shoot he's the seventh overall pick you know Aaron you had said um he that you thought he could be the first overall pick and you would not be alone there were some very prominent NBA writers some national writers who felt the same way that thought that the Pistons were getting an absolute steal in Killian Hayes the size the defense playing in a semi-professional slash professional you know league in in France you are not alone in thinking that but it just it has not worked and I and I do wonder if that initial hip injury sort of made him more hesitant while he was coming back and that has sort of given him like the yips almost to be more aggressive but I I'm not willing to jump ship immediately but And I think the first step was to send him to the bench, put him behind Corey Joseph and let him run the second unit. And, you know, we'll just have to see how that resonates. And, you know, if, if they can find him some time in the G league, just prioritize offense, then I'm all for that too. Um, But finding a replacement for Killian Hayes, I mean, it's, it's difficult because you're going to get a top four pick next summer which can't come fast enough as it's like 14 degrees outside so please let's hurry up summer (laughs) um i mean
2: they they have they have
1: a lot of guards
2: but mike they also have so much cap space available like for me it's it's too soon to start figuring out how they're going to replace him what they're going to do there you you need to see where they're going to fall in the draft you need to see who's going to re-sign in free agency like I'm not at the point where I'm looking for Killian Hayes replacements. Cause I just don't think that we have enough information to really, to, to really figure it out. You well, know, I mean,
1: I guess there's two ways that you could think of that question. You could think about it in replacing him in terms of a roster spot and replace him in terms of the piece of the rebuilding puzzle, um, roster spot, whatever you can find another point card, you know, at this rate, uh, Kyrie Irving will be a free agent because he's slowly driving James Harden out of Brooklyn. Um, so, I mean, there won't be any shortage of point guards. The Kyrie Irving thing was a joke, so we'll just, we'll just move on. Um, so in, in terms of replacing him as a fit in the rebuilding puzzle, that I get. And unfortunately, I think you're going to be doing that with your draft pick. I mean, I guess unless you trade Grant for a Patrick Williams – Okongu, DeAndre Hunter type deal, um, that, that would be you know a little bit closer to replacing him in terms of the um, key piece of the rebuild. But finding a replacement for him on the roster, yeah, they'll have the cap space to go out and get a point guard or go and get somebody. I mean, heck, I mean, Corey Joseph's doing it now, <laughs> you know, uh, um, as far as just a roster spot goes.
2: No, but that's what I mean. You can't you can't go into next year with Corey Joseph as your starting. Oh career. no no no. You no, know what I mean? No. Like they no. The, and maybe it is Jaden Ivey. I don't think really you can figure it out until you see where you land in the draft. Just because the way that the lottery works right now, you know, if you have the third worst record in the NBA, you might not even be drafting in the top five. So yeah, you
1: can uh, you can sign Colin Sexton then.
2: Exactly. And there's there's a lot of things. So it, there's a lot of things in place, and there's a lot of things that are going to move around. But I think it is very important to note that, yeah, as of right now, you're not getting what you need from Killian Hayes, and that needs to change. Um, if you just can't be getting that kind of lack of production from, from your off guard, regardless. Right.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just not possible in uh, today's NBA. Good stuff, guys, on the Killian Hayes end of things, and it won't be the, unfortunately it won't be the end of that discussion either. I'm sure that in one month, we'll be talking about Jeremy Grant and and or Killian Hayes in some capacity.
2: Yeah, I'm Uh, sure we will. (laughs) (laughs)
1: uh, One, if not both of those topics will probably be on the February edition, which Aaron, I already know it, uh, you know, because he's already been to February and
0: back mm-hmm. and Hayes is still shooting. I feet. can't say what happens, guys. Don't ask. Stop asking <laughs> I'm already getting messages. I can't say what happens. I've I think about, Aaron, Aaron, do I cover tonight? Oh, Swami, tell me, is it so? The time space continuum <laughs> demanded that I keep my mouth shut. So I'm going to listen to them. I don't want to, you know. Breaking, it's like, a, it's, like everything off. it's like a back to the future sports almanac kind of kind yeah. of problem
2: we've got going on here yeah, here's
1: here's here's uh here's biff, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> here's biff. Oh, that's probably why he wrote the jeremy grant doesn't get trade thing he already knows this is like his warning shot to that's the right. nba community and no one no one's taking it seriously enough oh. um so, guys, let's let's go ahead and move on to some more general NBA stuff as we wrap up the podcast here. Uh, we do have the NBA All-Star game coming up very soon. I, I was shocked at how fast we're getting through January. Thank God. Um, as well as, uh, you know, of course, everyone's favorite topics, I, I guess. I mean, I'm, it's not my favorite topic, but I I know it's a very popular topic. The races for a lot of the end-of-season awards, like the MVP, like the rookie of the year, um, sort of sort of deal. So um, let's just do a little bit of quick talk about some of the more general NBA things happening. Um, all-star voting. I remember one of one of the first podcasts Aaron and I did, we were talking about Zaza Pachulia being in the uh, um, all-star game because he got his entire home country to vote. And I thought this is the end of NBA all-star game voting. As we know it, Zaza was like ahead of like DeMarcus Cousins at the time. It was
2: like something stupid. We, us us, uh, us from the early 2000s, we like to call that a Yao Ming. Remember how Yao right, was, right. was exactly. the most, yes. every single year had the most votes by uh, the widest margin possible because right. he had the entire country of China voting for
1: him. <laughs> right, right. Like he gets an unfair home field advantage. That's the difference right. is Yao Ming was actually really good and Zaza Pachulia wasn't. <laughs> it was like uh, one of these things is not like the other one of the... You know, one of these things is a backup center for the Warriors. So um, what do you guys like about uh, – well, do you like anything about the all-star voting process? Because it just – to me, it just clogs up the Twitter timeline.
0: Absolutely in- not. In
1: just incredibly. Oh,
0: I hate it. No, it's it. the worst. Just let the league or, or the coaches pick it. Um, they're going to pick the best players. Like the fan – I get the fan vote, all oh, you want to include the fans. Well, well, that's what hap- Like, that's what happens when you include the fans. You get Zaza Pachulia. You get Derrick Rose. Like, you guys have no business being in this discussion, taking up, you the know, offenses. the top spots in uh, NBA votes. You know, All Star votes. Like, it makes no sense. Just let oh. the league or the or the coaches figure it out. The fans, it, the fans suck at it. Aaron, you don't start. think you don't think Derrick Rose should have one hundred and fifty
2: thousand more fan votes than Darius Garland or Jalen Brown? That I don't know about that, man. Derek
0: Rose like, has been out for like the last month and a half, hasn't he? Like... Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's ridiculous. It sucks. Um, I don't care about it. I'm just being honest. I don't really care. Um, you know, for me, it's the all-NBA voting that, that really matters far, far more. But when it comes to the MVP, for me, it's a little too soon to decide on the MVP. But look, I'm willing to say right now, if they stay healthy – uh, rookie of the year is coming down to either Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley. And the tiebreaker might come down to Mobley having just a better team around him. Um, but I feel very, very confident in saying that those are going to be the two players that are there at the end of the year for rookie of the year.
0: Yeah. I mean, if yeah. I, moving on yeah. to that, I mean, I'll kind of just, I guess jump on the bandwagon there with Jasper. I think right now, if I was picking the, the the rookie of the year it's probably Evan Mobley I think you know it's not an award that winning uh matters the most on but I think it, it certainly helps I mean Cleveland's fifth in the Eastern Conference they're playing great basketball and Evan Mobley's been a large part of that you know Kate Cunningham has had a, a really good season and you know by the end of the year if he's continuing to get better and better as he has over the last few weeks then you know maybe he does end up catching Evan Mobley but I think it's a two-man race right now some of the guys that are on the outside looking in scotty barnes josh giddy franz wagner um you know they're that good. far behind no Franz, has been, franz been has been really stellar france is really good um but i think when it comes down to it, it it's really right now down to mobley and cunningham it would take a, a pretty large search from one of those other guys to, to find their name in the mix but both have been phenomenal and i think this draft class is is spectacular um But it's down to those two, which is is funny considering the makeup of our our panel on this podcast.
1: (laughs) And, you know, Evan Mobley has played maybe his least impactful basketball over the last few weeks. I mean, came out of the gate like a rocket. Um, And he has sort of cooled off, so to speak, which isn't saying a whole lot because his numbers are still very good for a rookie, especially defensive Numbers. I mean, they're just crazy. Um, they overall. I mean, the Cavs are. If we're talking about most surprising teams in the NBA,
0: where do the Cavs rank? One. Very, very surprising. They're number one. Yeah. Number I was gonna one.
2: say either them or the Hawks for for opposite reason. <laughs> right. Seriously. Yeah. And you know, he's that's
1: that is what I think is going to push them over the edge is if they do make the playoffs, which. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they went on ten game losing streak because the offense has just been stuck in the mud since Ricky Rubio tore his ACL. But uh, yeah, if they make the playoffs and Evan Mobley continues to put up numbers that he is putting up now, maybe he's not, you know, going off on the offensive end. But uh, if he continues to do this, um, it'll be it'll be tough to beat. Cade Cunningham has been awesome. Franz Wagner, I think, is third. He's been awesome from a fantasy basketball perspective. He's been easily my best pick in fantasy basketball. I mean, I actually may have picked him up off of the waiver wire. He was like 4% owned. And he's like the 10th best small forward, 10th best forward in ESPN's fantasy basketball. I mean, he's been been very good all year. Michigan man, of course. Um, So there we can uh, go full circle back to Michigan basketball.
2: That's right. Him and him and his brother tearing it up down in uh down in the Magic Kingdom.
1: I mean, that's a joke, but it's not a joke because
2: no. Mo Wagner's also been pretty good. It's true. It's true. But yeah, no, that's that's how I see it. When it comes to the the you know, the All-Star Game stuff, however, the fan voting's a joke. Um, and I think we are all uh quite confident there will be no Pistons taking part in that. Um, I am interested to see how the Rising Stars challenge the Pistons should at very least, have uh, Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bay. Maybe Isaiah Stewart sneaks his way onto to one of those rosters. Maybe not, um, but that'll be nice too to to see a couple Pistons players at least uh, involved in in All Star Weekend in some capacity.
1: Yeah, uh, um, ab, you know, ab, absolutely. Normally, uh, for us fans of bad teams all-star weekend is just kind of, a, a, like multiple slaps in the face, but, uh, you know, some interesting young talent on both of, both of our, uh, teams here. And it is always exciting. It's still exciting. And it's especially exciting for me because it's really only 50 minutes down the road. I mean, it's really not far, um, at all. So, uh, and now working in the city of Cleveland, uh, you know, I'm even closer to it, shockingly enough. So, um, it'll be, it, it'll be fun. Um, you talk about MVP just a little bit. We can wrap up with MVP there, but, um, so I agree. It's too early to really talk about MVP. I mean, I think everyone had like Steph Curry locked up for the first couple you know, months of the season and now he's cooled off like immensely. Um, so Nikola Jokic continues to be otherworldly as the only uh, real like star left for the Nuggets as everybody else has been hurt. Um, so I think you have to include him and people will keep throwing LeBron's name out there, even though the Lakers are pedestrian at best. Uh, so, and the Lakers are probably the third most, well, maybe they're not the third most surprising, surprising team this year. I, I think pretty much all of us had Russell Westbrook to the Lakers for all of the good quality ancillary players on the roster as probably a bad move. Um, Aaron, any thoughts on the MVP? And it's like super early to even talk about this. There's so much parody now, but um, anything that you've noticed?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think see, obviously Steph had a phenomenal start to the year, but he's in a major, major shooting slump. That's definitely going to hurt him. Uh, but there's, there's so much time left that with golden state being at where they are at, at the top of the conference, if he picks it up, like it could very much end up being Steph Curry. Yeah. I know people are talking about Jokic. People are talking about Giannis like, And certainly, they deserve to be in that race. Jokic is absolutely phenomenal. He's one of my favorite players in the league to watch. What he does is just incredible. But I think this is setting up for a a late-season push from Stephen Curry, and people are going to look at the Warriors being atop the West. And if Steph Curry's helping lead that charge, I think he's going to get a lot of recognition. Joel Embiid, hate to say it, but he's been phenomenal as well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, he's that, that was be in there as well.
2: That was the name I was going to bring up, Aaron. I, I think that he's being under talked about right now. But yep. if he's going to do Joel Embiid things, because that's why he didn't win it last year, it's because he didn't, you know, play. He did Joel Embiid. He, you know, he, he takes time off. That's is what it is. He has for a long time now. um But if he plays essentially a whole season and he's putting up these kinds of numbers, I mean, he is on an insane. He is on a heater, my boy. He is going off 30 plus points you know 12 plus rebounds every single night he's just killing killing teams right now so it's going to be fun I definitely think yeah Steph Giannis always has to be in that conversation Jokic and and Embiid um maybe LeBron works his way back into that conversation as well but for me those are the four guys that I I really look at right now as as being the ones with um the, the the greatest chance of being there at the end of the season
1: Yep, yeah, the top players in the league are all like going after the top award. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? It's uh, no, oh, one, no one saw that one coming.
0: Oh, we forgot, yeah, Kevin I Durant. About,
1: <laughs> I know, but you know, I kind of worry about what the injury is going to do to his chance. I mean, he's going to have to go off when he comes back, and, and maybe, maybe he does. You know, um, the NBA is very much a what have you done for me lately type of league, so you know, maybe he comes back and goes like supersonic for several weeks and that's all it takes i mean it's entirely possible and the nets start flying up the you know up the uh standings so it's entirely possible yep we list off every other player and forgot about arguably best player
2: in the whole league it's wild it's It's one of those kind of seasons
1: it is one one of those kind kind of seasons yep all right guys good podcast um we've covered a lot jeremy grant we'll have to uh keep tabs on all of the comings and goings for the deadline, including, of course, Jeremy Grant, and we covered Killian Hayes as well. Some of his shooting woes and, you know, is he now uh, a a expendable piece slash not part of the next great Pistons playoff team. We talked about that as well. And we encourage uh, all of our listeners, please visit our website as well. We have a lot of written content. Aaron wrote a very good article, um, justifying why keeping Jeremy Grant is a, a viable, not not only viable, but you know potentially the right, the right choice. I mean, there is there's just there's just no way of saying that the Hawks or Bulls or any of these teams are going to just hand over high end picks or or you know top end players, um, just willy nilly. So he he wrote a very good article um, about that as well. So we definitely encourage you to go and check out our written content on our website um, as well, but fellas. Any other thoughts before we close out here?
0: No, I'm ready to go. I mean, good pie, guys. Glad to be with you, and uh, we'll see what happens. Trade (laughs) deadline's going to be fun, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's not what happens at the trade deadline. It's who you get to spend the trade deadline with, and I wouldn't pick anyone but you two.
1: (laughs) It turned into a Hallmark card.
0: (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, I have to go, guys. My room just got dusty.
1: Someone's cutting yeah, onions in yeah, here. Yeah, someone's got right <laughs> in front of my face. Thank you, Aaron. Oh man. Uh, well, we'll see. After uh Jeremy Graham's traded for a basket of apples, we'll see if you still feel so so nice about it. But um thank you also. Our sponsor that online, of course. Um, been a consistent partner for us, and once again, head on over to the new mobile website or updated desktop sign up today you get your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code believe 50 that's b-l-e-a-v five zero at bet online um fellas good talk and we'll talk again next week as well uh for my co-hosts Aaron johnson and jasper Apollonia, i am Mike Angolano. thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the palace pistons podcast part of the believe podcast network we'll see you all next time